Now? This one's explosive. I'm Unique, serving up a hard-hitting dose of reality and trending topics concerning you. Weekend Updated with Unique starts now on Blackberry Soul Radio. There's a war out there, old friend. A world war. And it's not about who's got the most bullets. It's about who controls the information. What we see and hear, how we work, what we think. It's all about the information. Good morning, good morning, happy Saturday. It's Unique, and you're listening to Weekend Updated right here on Blackberry Soul Radio. Today's show is entitled Free Thought with my guest Willie Soso, a philosophical, logical thinker with a wealth of knowledge and also a podcaster, and he's hailing from the Motor City in Detroit. Um, just want to give you some background on how I met Willie Soso. We both belong to a Facebook group called The Vanguard. Um, we share a mutual friend, shout out to Rock, and he also was a part of um, a focus group I did for my book, 1981. Um, and by the way, uh, Willie Soso, thank you so much for the feedback. You gave a very thorough review, and I appreciate that. Help me welcome Willie Soso. How you doing? Hey, hey, hey. Miss Unique. How are you, love? I'm doing How well. How are you? How are you? I'm doing well. And I just want to say that I just became completely intrigued by the way you think. We had an opportunity to talk a little bit more in depth before um, we did the show because uh, the reason I wanted to make sure I didn't agree with you on everything because it seemed like um, <laughs> we just had this like similar thinking process. So I had to make sure that I wasn't like on the show. Yep, I agree. Yep, I agree. I wanted to make sure there was some, you know, some dialogue, some friendly debating. So I just want to thank you for joining me. Um, and I think that you can just give the listeners so much knowledge. No problem. Thank you for having me. And I must say that, yeah, we do have a very similar thought process, very analytical. And I appreciate your thought process as well. And I'm sure that we don't agree on everything. <laughs> but uh, we do and have had some some quite interesting dialogue right. via Facebook. Absolutely. So I like to throw out like just an off topic question just to get our brains warmed up a bit. I wanted to know your feelings on do you think that um, people can reach absolute happiness? Uh, I think that happiness is a perpetual thing. I don't think it's a, a spot that you reach a destination. I think it's uh, I think you find happiness in the process. Hmm of living life that that's that's happiness and i think that would be my answer to that and i brought that up because i was actually listening to um a businessman self-made multi-millionaire multi-millionaire garvey um and he was talking about happiness and how to obtain it and basically um basically saying that you know living in your truth and um absolutely doing what moves you um, while, of course, you know, building a building your team and building your nest and, and taking care of your family. But but ultimately, it's about living in your truth. And I constantly say this on the show and anyone that I could that will listen to me anyway, um, is that 
living in in my truth has pretty much liberated me from so much you know so much unhappiness so much you know I've, I've struggled with depression before and so I often wonder why so many people don't live in their truth if if that is the pathway to happiness and then another part of me just feels like happiness is just like an emotion like anger and excitement it's something as you said that comes and goes but even more so why people don't decide to live in their truth and if everyone's well, I think no I think the living in, in your truth yeah I think that's that's a process as well you know uh there's a lot of conditioning that goes on in living. Mm. You know, you, you get conditioned to think that there's a certain way to live life. Mm. And there is no specific way to live life. Everybody has a, a, a path that they're, I think they're predestined to be on. Mm. And you got to live, as you say, in that truth. You have to. Mm. Do you think that uh, when you talk about conditioning, that religion is part of that con- conditioning? For some, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. For some, me included. Mm-hmm. Also, to that end, in living in your truth or learning to live in your truth, and again, happiness being perpetual and a journey, uh, you have to unlearn some of that conditioning. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, even as we speak, that's part of the journey for me. Expand. What do you mean uh, by that? Expand a little bit on well, that. I'm learning. Well, okay. Uh, I'll give you the story. I was I was one of those people that was born and raised in the Baptist church. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior that. Now, until I was, mm, I was like, until I was in college, I sort of kind of thought that that was everybody's upbringing. Mm-hmm. If you were a black kid in the inner city, that's the way you came up. So I get to college and I hear somebody say something. I mean, somebody that looks like me say something like there is no God. Mm. I don't believe in God. It was a shock to my senses. Right. But what it did, it made me start. That's probably where my whole critical thought process mm-hmm. started to get honed. You know, in in conversations like that. Also, you know, conversations, you know, about politics, conversations about you know, social issues. And I had to start unpacking some of my own learning. I had to start, you know, coming to grips with contradictions that I I had felt in, say, the Bible. But I dare not say, not my house. Right, <laughs> right. That, 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 wasn't, that wasn't part of the condition. Right. And I share some of that, too, because I grew up in a very, I, you know, I joke and say militant, but I really mean uh, my father was very domineering and very strong in his truth. Wasn't really uh, a religious guy, um, more so went into religion as we got older, really into my adulthood. He became more um, religious and I, I think he's a Christian now. Um, and I say that because mm-hmm. a lot of his a lot of his reading and studies were in the uh, Islamic 
uh, faith. However, I grew up with a lot of his ideologies. So he would just say certain things. Um, and as a child, you know, you look at your father as your savior, you look at your father as your superhero. And so I, I -hmm. took that to, to heart and, you know, in college, I, I have to say that I was really, 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 my eyes became woke, uh, and enlightened by a lot of things. I mean, things just as simple as homosexuality and basing homosexuality Mm -hmm. on a race, you know, I'm going to be quite honest. I'm not going to say that my father said that black people couldn't be homosexual, but surely he he fed that, you know, that that notion to us. And so when I got to college and saw my first, you know, experienced my first gay uh, friend who was a male, I was like, wow, you're black and you're gay. And as as ignorant and as, you know, naive as it sounds, that was the kind of household that I grew up in. It was like whatever dad said was truth. There's nothing there's nothing uncommon about that i get that 100 percent uh am i growing you know my upbringing childhood up through high school college uh i ran into quite a few gay people but for for me it was just something that really wasn't spoken about right it just was it wasn't spoken about but you can tell you 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 interact with somebody and you could tell uh something's different about her mm-hmm. or something's different about him and then of course you know there there's I'm an 80s baby and what is now considered homophobia oh it was rampant it was super rampant and you know people would say things and homosexuality was frowned upon Right. I mean, even it, it even was. if you look back in some of the jokes, I think I was li- looking at um, Eddie Murphy's special with my sister. And also I was looking at um, that day. We were just looking at a bunch of comedy specials. I was uh, looking at Richard Pryor's as well. And I was like, wow, if they had said some of the things, particularly Eddie, some of the things that he has said now, it would be like a shitstorm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't say that 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 what he says um, was rooted in ho- in homophobia. However, uh-huh. Just that, you know, that sentiment of 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 not understanding homosexuality or just shunning it all together um, was very prevalent in the black community in general. And so it's it's very interesting um, how we as African-Americans, I'm not going to say all of us, but some of us have had that like revelation or that awakening when we reach college or that's kind of like the crossroads for for learning. And um, I just find it interesting that you said that because that was, I mean, it was just little simple things, um, out, even outside of just homosexuality, religion, um, a lot of yeah. things. And you, politics. Politics, yes, <laughs> a big thing. Not all black people are mm-hmm. Democrat, you know? Correct, correct. I have a daughter. She'll never have that ideology to grow up with because times are just saying so much. But right. when I was growing up, every black person was Christian, mm-hmm. heterosexual, and democratic. <laughs> period. And that was just sort of kind of like a foregone conclusion. Not the truth, but that was the conditioning that I got. Right. And that was a condition that a lot of people got. So to hear the opposite, I, I think when I really sat and thought about it in 2000, I want to say roughly 2009, mm-hmm. Jay-Z and Nas did a song together. Now, 
aside from the fact that that was a revelation to me in and of itself, because Nas had previously ethered oh, yes. Jay Z, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But uh, they did a song called "Black Republicans," mm-hmm. and I thought that was just one of the most ridiculous notions. <laughs> Even if it was just the title of the song, I thought it was one of the most ridiculous notions ever. Mm. But in practice, well. Yeah, lots of black Republicans. They right. exist, Absolutely. and I never, I, I just never considered that before. Point. I never considered uh, homosexuality at all before a certain point as as a norm for some people. I I never considered atheism or or agnostic as a a, a state mm-hmm. for black folks. Period. Right. Never had never considered it. But it is. It's a thing. It, it absolutely you know, is you a gotta thing. You got to respect it. Absolutely. And then, because um, I think college and just meeting different cultures and um, just meeting different people is definitely an impetus for expanding your knowledge and reading. And the best thing that I, the best uh, advice or encouragement that I can give people is to read because reading opens your mind to so many different avenues. And if you, are closed minded and you, you know, you kind of stay with the same type of people or the same things, you really aren't exposing yourself to opportunity to like grow uh, mentally, emotionally. Um, and so, and I, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, read and like my nieces and my nephew, like, don't just take my word, your, your parents' word or your grandparents' word or adults' word or your teachers, you know, go out and do additional research, you know. Um, I, I say the same to my daughter. One thing I will say, though, you have to be rooted in something. You have to have some type of grounding. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with you uh, on that. I mean, having some but, sort of spirituality, having some sort of purpose. Yes. Um, absolutely. Correct. I agree with you on that. Um, I, I, I think that's necessary for life mm-hmm. in that journey that we've been talking about. Shifting gears really quick. I had took uh, some notes. Um, I, I didn't take a lot of notes. I just put topics down from our last conversation that I wanted to touch mm-hmm. on since we were talking about um, particularly the homosexual uh, community. And I wrote transgender, but I didn't yeah. write any notes. And I know that we had uh, differ. And I don't know if you remember or recall what your um, your statement was, but I didn't want to really go into it because it was like, oh, this would be good for the show. But now, just to kind of transition a little bit into, no pun intended, into um, tra- the transgender community, <laughs> you you had some um, thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I, I have thoughts on everything. Um, I don't remember exactly how we got on the topic of trans. It, and it wasn't necessarily, I do remember that it wasn't. Uh, specifically about transgender. It was how it's affected by or affects whatever the other topic was we were talking about, which I don't remember. But what I will say... Were we say talking about, about the gen- uh, gender warfare? Uh, yeah. Okay. I think that may have been what we were talking about. Uh, and we'll, well, I said with regards to it, uh, I guess we're sort of kind of reverse engineering the conversation because I think the conversation about transgender was the end result. That's how, as mm. a result of the gender roles, I think that's how we got to the conversation about transgender. But what I'll say is this. It's a choice, in my opinion. Well, clearly, it's a choice. The The whole notion of 
I can identify as. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yes, I disagree with you on that. You know, well, I, I have I have no truck. I don't I don't know what that feeling is mm-hmm. of how you exist and think that you were biologically, for lack of a better word, misdiagnosed. I, I don't I don't I don't know how that I don't know how that works. I I can't I can't rationalize how that works. Right. Again, it's a thing, and if that's how someone feels, so be it. Mm-hmm. No, I actually, I, I actually believe, um, and I guess I, I would have done a little bit more research had I remembered what it was. But I definitely believe that it is mental. You know, I definitely think that people truly, it's not a choice for them. I don't think because I think that people take the the road of least resistance. So uh, when I talk to even my sister, who's a lesbian, and she talks about how she wish, you know, she could be straight and not have to deal with the backlash. And a lot I hear that a lot from some people who have had a lot of backlash with family or friends or just society as a whole. And so Mm -hmm. I don't believe that people ever make a choice to be their sexuality I think they make the choice to have to do behaviors that will support their sexual sexuality, if that makes sense. So for transgender people, I really do believe that it is mental, that it's 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 that they see and feel um, that they truly are. And I'm and I and I'm can't say that this is absolute truth. I, again, I haven't done any research and mm-hmm. I've not spoke with um, I've not uh, spoke with someone who's transgender. However, I have. I'm seeing interviews and I have and I follow a few that are transitioning currently on Instagram. Um, And so Mm -hmm. just being exposed and listening to their stories, um, I think that it's beyond just saying waking up one day and saying, you know, hey, I want to be a woman or I want to be a man. I definitely agree that it is not just I I wouldn't subscribe to the notion that it's a, a snap decision. Uh, or, or, or impulsive choice, but I would I would assert that it's a choice nonetheless. Are you saying I, that I it's a it. choice to actually go through the transition, or are you saying it's a choice to want to be the opposite sex? I think that's... Both. Both. I, it, well, it's clearly a choice to actually go through with it. Absolutely. You have to... You have to take the, uh, I think they take hormone pills or whatever it is. I, 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 like you, don't know enough specifics about it to even, you know, go down that road. Whatever the process is, you have to make a conscious decision to do that. Um, as far as what it's like to feel like if you're a man, to feel that you were supposed to have been a woman, even though you were born a man, or you were supposed to be a man, even though you were born a woman. Uh, I don't know what it is that will cause a person to feel that they were born the wrong gender. Mm-hmm. From a finite logical standpoint, though, I'll say this. No matter how much I may say identify being a woman or what it is to be a woman, I fully, I can't fully understand from a biological standpoint, I just can't, I, I just don't know because I'm not a woman, even though perhaps I may feel mentally and emotionally that that's how I identify because I was born a man. 
and you were born a woman. So I, I, I can't reconcile the, the it's not a choice stance in my mind. Nah. Right. What yeah. I will say mm-hmm. is if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. And I'll, I'll graciously stand corrected. But just looking at it uh, mm-hmm. from a layman's point of view, no, I, I don't. I don't see how someone can. I don't. I don't get the logic behind it. Right, and I, I think it's it's so. riddled with so much enigma that you you from a philosophical standpoint, you can make a justification. It's wrapped under medical and scientific standpoint. Then people make the justification, but I think um, that. Uh, there's a lot more that goes into it. And I, I think it's beyond just, you know, saying, I, I think it's beyond just a choice. Just like, I think sexuality is beyond a choice. I think people are born uh, with their sexuality, whether it's heterosexual, homosexual or bisexual or, or all the other sexualities that have been um, identified now. However, I, yeah, I just, I, mean, I believe that, you know, people are born well, with their sexuality. I agree, uh, or I, well, what I what I agree with is is is, uh, is definitely an enigma. <laughs> but what I will also say, and this this is actually more of a social uh, commentary mm-hmm. with the LG with mm-hmm. the LGBTQ, and I see now since they keep adding letters, they just put a plus. A what? A plus because mm. it's now I think they up to like eight letters. What I will say, I, I think there is a different struggle. Even though they're part of one community, I think there's a different struggle. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think trans, all, all struggles are transgender. Different. Yes, trans, mm-hmm. trans, even though they're in the same community. And I think that, that from a social standpoint, I think that the conversation gets convoluted. Because I, I, as even as we speak right now, I can see someone. I can see someone construing my commentary as homophobic. I, I don't construe it that no, way. I don't but think so. I, I, I think I, I, I can see someone doing so. I think people who and, are not open for a discussion, who are kind of closed-minded. Um, even if someone mm-hmm. disagrees with you, I think um, when you talk about homophobic or racism or anything like that, to me, the underlying uh, root of it is hate. The underlying root of it is feeling superior. And I definitely don't feel that from you at all. It's your and you've said, you know, this is your um, opinion uh, as it is mine. Um, and even science, I mean, it hasn't there's no there's no there's no fact behind anything. I mean, it's still being. <laughs> Um, yeah. I guess sure. researched, and so for Big me, right? It's yeah. yeah. So for me, it's it's all about a discussion, and it's and it's good to have uh, different discussions. So I don't think that at all people should look at it in that way, just because someone has a difference of perspective, you know. And that's I think the problem with people in general um, is that they're afraid to have discussions, even if those discussions are tough. It's okay to have mm-hmm. tough discussions because in that process, you learn, you know. You learn critical thinking. Yeah. If you can't do, if you if you're not a master of critical thinking, then you know I I I'm, I don't know what else to say to you other than you know learn, learn it. I, mean, you know, <laughs> I would suggest learning. You know critical thinking. Because in in that conversation, 
in that specific conversation to exactly to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think the conver- it, that tough conversation gets even more convoluted because when I talk about say transgender issues because of the grouping of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. you may have someone who identifies as gay or lesbian or bisexual pick up the mantle simply because they're in the they're in the same community, but the struggle is different. And I think they identify you know, that the struggle is different. I, I, I think. Um, I mean, at least the individuals that I uh, am around in my circle of friends and my circle of coworkers, all of that. I think all that are in the, that community definitely understands that it is a different struggle for each. I mean, bisexual bisexuals have a struggle. I've heard so many bisexual men talk about their struggle and that many women just say that they're gay. You know, you know they don't accept the fact that they have an attraction to both sexes. So I, I definitely, uh, even my sister being a lesbian has definitely um, identified that there is a different struggle and she doesn't group all of of the letters together into one because when you do that you lose identity um and that's and i think we had talked about that when we were talking about african-american and black um for me when i hear people say black it was it's almost like a catch-all phrase you're just grouping every everything into into one as opposed to identifying to me your culture your way of life so when i say i'm african-american it gives you a sense of, you know, my 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 heritage. If you say you're Jamaican American or that whatever. So I think grouping, you know, we had that conversation too about black versus yeah, yeah African American. And, and I now that that part of the conversation, yeah, I remember vividly. Because <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Barack Obama. <laughs> and I and, and I actually right. I, I can't remember, but in that talk I stumbled across something where this person was defending because this person said that you know Barack Obama wasn't considered black and I agreed and someone was countering that um and so I can't I have to I have to try to remember what that reference was I I, after the conversation we had I stumbled across and I was like yeah that's Mm -hmm. what I believe um because I think when you start to group folks you one I think is disrespectful to that person's heritage or culture or tradition or um, ethnicity. Um, and I think that a lot of times people group people based on sight. It's like, because you look Brown or you are Brown or you have a darker hue that you are considered black and there's no regards for your culture or your, your nationality or your ethnicity or, um, your heritage. And so it's definitely a nuanced conversation. And, it's def- and yeah, it does start <laughs> with, uh, certain physical features. Oh, absolutely. No. I mean, we're very visual. No. Uh, West, West, the Western yeah. society, and I'm sure pretty much most societies are very visual. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, your attachment to the, the title African-American, mm-hmm. I have no problem with. And let me, um, let me just, for those that don't know, my attachment to it is basically, as I said earlier, but I think that um, an attachment to... African-American to me identifies my culture, my history, my heritage to say that I am black or, or a white person to just say that they're white. I don't know by which way they come to this world. Are you, what, what country are you from? What culture do you celebrate? What traditions, uh, do you practice? You know, so to do a catch all, um, 
to me, it feels like a catch-all. However, I do know that the word black derived from the whole black movement, you know, um, in the 70s of mm-hmm. being black power. And so I get that. I totally get that movement. And I, and I celebrate that movement. However, when you talk about beyond the movement, just the actual uh, identity, um, self-identity, I think that it groups everybody into this one category. And again, it's a disregard for your culture, for your heritage, (laughs) for your language in which you speak. And so I know there's so many people like, I've never been to Africa. I'm not African-American. Then what are you? And some people have actually told me they would rather be called colored than African-American. And that's that's an issue for me. That part is crazy. You know, that part, if someone were to call me, African-American. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Surely. And I, I get the connotation behind it. I understand the sentiment and I agree with it and I appreciate it and I wouldn't want to be anything else. If someone asks me what I am, I would say that I'm black. And I, I get I get your sentiment about it being a catch-all. But for me, I have no problem with it, you know, embracing someone, say, from Haiti or someone from Jamaica or someone from someone somewhere else. And when it come, when the conversation becomes more specific, it would be incumbent on that particular person, if it's me, to... Uh, further expound on what my lineage is, what my ethnicity is, or what my nationality is. And I guess at that point, it depends on what you take the most pride in. You know what really got me opening my eyes to this was when I lived in New York City for so long. And I used Mm -hmm. to identify people based on their physical appearance. So I would see a, a girl who I thought was a sister and be like, oh, you're black. And it's like, no, I'm Panamanian. My mother speaks Spanish and only Spanish, you know, um, Mm -hmm. my, my family's from Panama. And so, and it was a lot of cultural pride and I love that. I was like, wow. And I kind of felt a little bit inadequate because it was like, well, I don't really know what country in Africa I I come from, you know, and it starts to, Mm -hmm. to open my eyes and wanting to learn more about different cultures and wanting to research cultures and research a little bit more into, you know, slavery and into, um, uh, our history. And so I think Um, that that conversation can't be had or you won't have this awakening. If again, all, you know, is identifying people based on their skin complexion or, or their physical features. that's absolutely true. Uh, and to that end, I would say you and I both know that that boat stopped in a lot of different places. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, South America, the, boat, the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that boat stopped in a lot of different places. So when it comes down to the identification, that factors into it. And it's nothing wrong with having because there is there is a level of identification and pride in that identification that people have that are, are proud to be Brazilian, even though I look a certain kind of way. I know I went to Miami one time, and this is when it really, really, really hit me. Mm-hmm. I Cuba. saw this. I saw this absolute. 
beautiful woman. Beautiful. And I went to shoot my shot, man. <laughs> she started speaking, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to talk was to her. Was she Cuban? <laughs> or, I, I don't know. You weren't, weren't I, sure. I, I, More never, than likely. I'll never know. <laughs> I'll never know. Um, but she didn't speak a little. Either she didn't speak a lick of English. Or that was her way to be like, that was her way to be like, <laughs> beat it. Do you know what I mean? Either way, when I, say, when I say she was gorgeous, I mean, she had this, this glowing dark skin. Mm-hmm. I, 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 was, I was totally enamored. She didn't speak a lick of English. Mm. <laughs> but she, look, she looked like you know, one of the chicks that you meet in the club. Mm-hmm. And she was one mm-hmm. of the chicks that you meet in the club. Just so happened she was one of the chicks that you meet in the club that did not speak English. And it, it, it got me to thinking. And that's why I can understand what you're saying. It also forced me to realize, like I said, damn, that boat stopped in a lot of different places. Oh, absolutely. In, in saying something like, I'm black, I, I think I'm okay with it being a, a catch-all. And I think when you have those conversations, there's your opportunity to expound. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm black, but I am African-American, or I am Panamanian, or I'm Brazilian, or I'm Cuban, or I'm... Okay, and you, can you be know what? I, I like that. I, okay, I like that, you know, spirit that comes with saying I'm black. I get it, and I love it. Um, and I also like the idea of, again, okay, identifying within the black culture or within the black or within your blackness, what are you, mm-hmm. you know? And so, cause mm-hmm. you know, I was walking, I was walking, um, where was I? Oh, I was walking at the fresh market and this guy goes, where are you from? And so my mind, you know, immediately I'm like, okay, what does he mean? Does he mean, am I from another? Cause when I was in New York, when they say where you're from, I would say DC, that's my hometown. And they're like, no, no, I'm saying, where's your family from? I'm like, they're from D.C., you know, most of them are living in D.C. No, what are you? You know, and I'm like, I'm black, you know, I'm African-American. Well, I said I'm black. And then so when I said that, again, this was pre-me in my black versus African-American phase so when they said, no, sister, I'm asking, are you Caribbean? Are you from another, are you not from another country? Where is your family from? Because in New York, there's this sense of cultural pride, and I absolutely love it. Some people are turned off by it. I absolutely love it. Uh, fast forward, uh, over the weekend, I was uh, in the fresh market or in the parking lot, and this guy goes, where are you from? And I'm like, I, I literally was puzzled because I'm like, okay, well, is he saying a specific area in the state? What? So then he looked, he goes, where are you from? You know, he got in. I said, I'm from, from DC. Is that what you want? And he's like, yeah. And he kind of looked at me weird. So I find that, you know, I find that interesting because that question, right. You know, it's a real simple question. It's like, yo, where are you from? Yeah. But and you know what? The crazy part is black folk are sort of kind of only people that have that conundrum when asked a simple question, like, where are you from? You know, and it's because that boat stopped in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. I don't get that question a lot, but my daughter does. Mm. And, and I, I don't know if it was because, told me. you know, I don't know if it, I don't know why, you know, maybe it was the way I was dressed, you know, because, you know, I'm mm-hmm. in the South now. So, 
you know, I, I probably have a little, you know, northern swag, <laughs> a little northern swag to me. There's and so, yeah, so I don't know what swag caused level him. Is right. I wasn't on the phone. It wasn't like he heard an accent or anything like that. So I'm not completely sure what, you know, was his motive behind the question. Um, and I was going to follow up, but I guess I turned him completely off with my puzzled face. But anyway, so, yeah, I, I get it. And it's interesting. And I and I think that I can understand saying the whole black, um, you know, I'm black and my identifier is African-American or mm -hmm. Cuban or yeah. whatever individuals consider themselves. Um, mm -hmm. I had a question. Now, um, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the show when we had uh, last week, we had the panel and I, and I try not to like. I know I told you we're not going to talk about certain things, but just because I felt like we talked about it and we got a different perspective, but I was re-listening to a few of the shows and there were things that, you know, when you, in the moment, you don't get to answer the question, like you want to answer it, um, or right. ask the question that you wanted to answer. So, um, one of the questions that I struggled with, and this is a complete jump from <laughs> what we were talking about. And one thing that mm -hmm. I wanted to to really ask the fellas, because I think that I hear this more so in men than women, um, mm -hmm. a, the difference between being in love versus loving someone. And um, for me, I think it's all the same, you know, and here's why. And I, and my sister actually believes actually, I think she said she believe, believed different Nika. Um, but the reason why I say that is that I think love is all rooted in the same. It's the same. I think it's really semantics when you start talking about in love versus love. I think the physical aspect is what makes it different from loving your mother, father, sister, brother than loving your wife, spouse, husband, boyfriend. Um, and so yeah, there's levels to it. Yeah. And so I, it's interesting because I hear so many men say, um, there's a huge difference. You know, I'll hear people say, um, I, I love my, my ex-wife or I love my ex-girlfriend, but I'm not in love with her. And for me, I struggle with that because to me, there's no difference. At the end of the day, it's rooted in the same thing, which is love. Like when you love someone, you, you treat them, you re respond to them in a different way than if you just cared about someone or liked somebody and or didn't give a hell about them, you know? Um, right. What are I your thoughts on that? Just, I think that there's just levels to it. You love someone enough is is the question. Do mm. you love this person enough to be in this committed relationship with them? Or do you love this person enough to just be good friends with them? Or do you love this person in a way because it's your mama and you revere her in a certain kind of way? Or your father because you revere him in a certain kind of way or your brother? I just think it's just levels to it. And some of those levels can very well be adjacent to each other. Hmm. See, I think love is so, love. I think that it's, um, I mean, I think how you love your mother is an indication in how you're going to love, how you love, how you love, and not just your mother, just anyone. Like, you don't, because we're trained or programmed to love our family members. And like, I had a conversation with my sister, Nika, that, I don't, you know, a lot of times we don't love our family. We say that because it's a default, you know, because we are programmed to believe that, you know, you must love your family members. And so I think when you take how you love someone, like truly love someone, uh, whether it's your mother or whether it's your wife or your girlfriend, I think that love is the same. It has, it, it, it's similar. It is the same. The difference is 
I think more or less the physical and that's the emotional and spiritual connection that is different. And so in the end of the day, love, like how you love anyone is pretty much a pure indication of how you love, if that makes sense. Like how I love. Yeah, I get it. And I don't completely disagree, Mm -hmm. but I think that the way you love someone oftentimes is in response to how they treat you, mm. how they, re- how they re- react to you, which is why it's always a give and take because in that same vein, they're loving you based on how you treat and respond to them. Right. So I'll, that's my- why it's, it's always a, you know, give and take there. Right. My motto is that um, humans in general, not all, but most of us, like you and love you as long as you make them feel good. Very few number of people who actually can love in pain and love beyond just feeling good. And uh, that's, to me, that's that true, true love. Because um, there are so many people that love with conditions. And I know I struggle with loving with conditions as well. I'm in that you know, I waffle back and forth with loving through pain as well as loving um, because someone makes me feel good or or in general. Like I, I that's a that's another conversation that when we get into trust and all of that good stuff. But I think that humans in general, I mean, we like to feel good. And many a times we go off of feelings rather than thought. You know, it's how someone made me feel. Um, lots of times that's how you get a job. You know, your resume could be dynamic. You can have the skill set, but when you walk in, if you don't fit in the culture, you don't make that these group of people or person feel good. You, it could be the determining factor if you get the job. I think that is a great analogy for the relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, because you, you bring up, you know, the way one would love would determine how they're going to love you. I think that you just really don't know how that's going to be until you're actually in that. Okay. You you don't you don't know for sure. And and you have a gut feeling, that's why you enter into the relationship. And and you call it a gut feeling love, you call it whatever you want. But you have it's 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 I feel like this person is gonna be good for me, that we're gonna have the relationship, we're sympathetical, whatever, however you wanna say it. And that's why you enter into the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a little bit different from, like, say, the love that you may have for your parents, um, which is even more different than the love you may have for your siblings, because you and I both know there are some siblings that hate each other. That just is what it is. They had to be in this relationship, and it did not turn out well. Mm-hmm. Some some people hate their parents, and some parents hate their kids. You, it's not something that you can completely know until you're really there in it. Right, and that's why so, I think that there's. That's why I think that love is rooted the same. It's there's no difference. Love is love. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I just I, think I, that I sort of kind of agree with that. You know, love is love. Love is different from the other things that goes into relationships and the other requirements that you may have. Um, in a relationship that you definitely won't have the same requirements with your father, yeah. or your mother. That's and where all the that. levels come in. Right. right. Absolutely. So I think yeah. that loving. Yeah. So one thing I did want to, have you ever been married? No. 
Not yep. close. Close, okay. But never jumped the bone. Well, what's the longest you've been in a relationship? Uh three years okay then then maybe it's you know i was looking for um to ask this question because i forgot you know when when we were in it i was in the panel just listening very intently (laughs) but um one of the guys steve king shout out to steve um he was married for 20 years and i wanted to (laughs) ask him because i asked my um my other sister sherelle we were talking about relationships for women history month and she was talking about her marriage um and i had asked about the sex changing um, not a sex change, but sex, the actual I behavior. <laughs> right. Um, and so if that happens, you know, you know, if you started out having lots of sex through the years, does the sex change? Meaning do you stop? You know, it's not exciting anymore, that kind of thing. And I think she said it didn't change until the love changed. And so um, I was going to ask you if you had been in a relationship for like 10 years or so. That's like a scary number to say, oh, I've been in a relationship for 10 years. It's like, how, Sway? Um, living with someone um like coexisting in the same space as someone that i tip my hat off to people that do it and they do it happily because that's like difficult you know what i think this was the topic um in the vanguard in the group that uh facebook group about the sex Mm -hmm. um changing through the years i can't speak to how that works Mm -hmm. i can't like i said i one i've never lived with a woman ever and to sort of kind of bring it back to something that we were talking about early and, and uh, sort of like correlate the two topics, that's a matter of conditioning. Mm-hmm. That whole shacking up thing frowned upon in my upbringing. So out of, out of all of the dogma that stuck, that stuck. <laughs> I don't know why, but it it, it stuck. So you uh, wouldn't live um, with anyone until you're married. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm as a result of losing a very good woman. Mm-hmm. I think I would rethink that position. Yeah, because I think like it's a, I think it's imperative like to at least spend some a lots of time and not like on time when you're on like you're on a date you're you know you're spending quality time out, outside the home I think it's important to actually like coexist in the same space for a certain period of time I mean it could be weeks at a time because like living with my like my sister and I are roommates she came uh, down south and she loved it. And like, mm-hmm. actually, knock on wood, it's been it's strengthening our uh, relationship as sisters because we are experiencing different things from each other that we hadn't experienced living so far apart. Because I've always lived far away or you know a couple of states away from my family, uh, purposely done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay. um, you know, there's it's a strength in that. You know, and I think it depends on the people that you uh, coexist in the same spaces with. And our energy is so Mm -hmm. opposite that it works though, because there's this mutual respect. And so opposite energies, I'm starting to see like, okay, she does things this way, I do things that way, but ultimately we have a underlying respect and love for each other. And so, so far, I think it's almost been a year and we've been good, you know, knock on wood. Whereas I've I've actually coexisted in spaces with friends that were just like me because we tend to like gravitate towards people that are like us and it just didn't work out. You know what I mean? It just was like a a really horrible 
um, experience, you know? And so I, I think that that's like very vital to know how you, how this person that you're going to be with, hopefully for a long time, um, how this person sleeps, cooks, hygiene, yeah. you know, cleans, I agree. Uh, living patterns, behaviors. Um, I agree. Yeah. So 100%. I, so even but that was a live, for me, that was a live and learn process. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, cause like I said, I probably should be married and I probably should be married to somebody. And, and just, if you just indulge me for a second, I'm going on my drifting on the memory rant right well, now. Well, hold on. There, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back on that okay. memory rant because I want to hear it all in its complete story. <laughs> so if you It's ju- not a long story, but it's heartbreaking. Oh, well, if you're just joining us, um, you're inside the weekend updated right here with Unique and Willie Soso, a podcaster who is uh, offering a wealth of knowledge that he's sharing today and today's uh show is all about free thought we freestyling it we're we're just uh co-sharing i hope you guys are enjoying the show we're going to take a quick break and come back and your inside we can update it right here on blackberry soul radio Good morning. Good morning. Happy Saturday and happy free thought to you. I hope you are willing to think outside the box today. Um, you're inside. We can update it right here with Unique on Blackberry Soul Radio. I have podcaster Willie Soso. Uh, I'm giving him the title of philosophical, logical thinker with a wealth of knowledge to share. How's that? Well, hey, hey, <laughs> and thank you for giving me such a title. Yes. <laughs> I think I might run with that one. All right. <laughs> and so um, go ahead with your story. You were going to get on talking about you said you made the declaration that you should be married and you were about to tell us why and what happened. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I, I probably uh, teased it a, a little bit more than I should have. Uh, but it's, it's, it's your garden variety story of the one that got away. Mm. And it, it was, there is a good woman out there. I'm not going to say any names. But there is a good woman. Oh, thank out you. There. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's another good woman out there. Good one. And, and um, she was in love with me. Mm-hmm. Loved me, in love with me, however you want to call it, whatever you want to say. And she was, she treated me really, really good. But because I had these preconceived notions about living with someone, cohabitating. Oh, wow. Uh, I sort of kind of screwed that relationship up. Mm. I mean, and it was, it was, it was sort of kind of a match made in heaven. Mm. She had kids. Uh, they love me. She had family. They love me and I love them. But I had this hang up mm-hmm. and I couldn't get over the hang up and I blew it. Wow. And that was literally decades ago, mm-hmm. but I still miss her. Mm. So why why can't you call her? Is she is she in a relationship? Oh uh, no, she's married now. Dang, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta live and learn. So on that is one. that the only reason why? I mean, that you guys weren't living together? <laughs> or is there a little uh, bit more? That's not the only reason. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's not the only. That's not the only reason. <laughs> I was young and dumb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that that did play uh, an important factor in it. Right. Wow. You know, well, I can't say I have a, a, a story that way because I think, um, well, you know what? It's interesting because the guy, I know that I have good taste in men because the men that I messed up with 
are like married and appear to be in happy relationships. And um, those that, you know, it just didn't work out because, you know, I wasn't feeling them. We just were young and dumb. They're no longer, I don't even know where they are. I mean, I don't follow them. Some of them are, are still, you know, young and dumb, but they still old. I mean, they're old, but they're mm-hmm. young and dumb. But I, I realized like, instead of looking at that, cause I used to be like, man, oh man. And it's like, I looked at it as now like, well, at least I know when I find mine that I have good taste, that I have good taste in men. And, and most of them, like I said, if, I think all of them really, it's only been a few that um, I just wasn't ready. And I wasn't, um, one thing that I do do well is I, you know, I kind of dance to the beat of my own drum. That keeps me from all the, th- of, you know, living life in a box. Because I realized that if I live, I truly believe living in my own truth protects me. And then usually people don't um, approach me with a lot of foolishness. So, but also there's a part of me, you know, it's a struggle with my Mars and Venus that I love being single. And the thought of me like living, actually living with someone frightens me. But then what's so weird is being my, my sister, being my roommate allows me to, to like that, that dynamic helps me work on certain things that I know I deal with when it comes to sharing spaces. And so I think that even her being my roommate um, is strengthening the idea of actually being in a relationship um, that requires, you know, me to live with my man. So it's interesting how everyone's, you know, how things are just kind of tied and interlooped together. Yeah, they always are. Right. Everything is definitely connected. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. What's the fear? Um, okay, so the fear of a relationship or living with someone? The, the living with someone. Um. Well, specifically, someone you're in a romantic relationship with. Right. Um, the fear of getting bored or, like, n- them not understanding, like, the space that I need. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's weird because there are moments in which, like, I need space and so if this person is wanting to cuddle or because uh, 95% of the time I am all in, you know, I'm all in, but this is that 5% of the time where like, can I say like, babe, like give me five minutes or give me an hour or give me a hundred percent of the rest of the night to just like read or chill or just like look at the wall. And I guess what's, what scared me was this one guy I was um, dating or considering and he was interested in marrying. And I was like, I'm not sure. And, and, and one of my requirements for getting in a relationship is that I want to love this person and they, and I, and I do require them to love me back, you know, to get into a relationship. Um, and so he, you know, he, he, he said he loved me and I wasn't there. And I told him I didn't love, I believe in complete honesty. And I said, I I don't, I really care about you, but I'm not sure I love you. And, and he said, well, it's cool because as long as the man is in love, the woman's going to fall in love. That was his belief. He, I'm not going to say his, uh... I, that was his belief. I'm not going to say what, what, um, country he's from. Cause I know he's listening and I ain't trying to give him no shout outs, but no, that's my boy. I, I really, <laughs> I really, uh, I really care about him, but, um, he's not, he's not American. Okay. So he just believed that, you know, as long as the man, the leader of the house is in love, and going to show and treat this woman with the utmost respect that only it's only right and it's only natural and it's only science that a woman will uh you know fall in love with with someone who treats them right so that was his belief 
Um, when he came to, <laughs> when he came to uh, stay with me for a few days, we had a great time and we went to the movies, we had dinner, he took me to some exotic restaurants and we had fun. Um, and mm -hmm. I came home and he was like, you know, I, we, like he massaged my feet, I massaged his, and then I just got into one of my, my moments in which, um, I don't know why, but it was one of those times and I was reading and he was like, Hey, what's going on? I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to give, give me a moment. I'm reading. And he, he like was very offended. Like it was like, what happened? Like, why did you change? What, what's, and so like when I have certain experiences, experiences with different people, it scares me in a way. Cause it's like, you know, he, nothing was wrong with him and nothing was actually wrong with me. I just needed the, that moment to myself. And so, um, I know that about myself. I know that I don't care how great, even my sisters will tell you, like I'll go in my room. Sometimes they'll, you know, if I have family down, they'll say it's rude. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't come out of this mood. I don't know what it is, but give me a second. I'm not mad, nothing. And I tend to offend people when I do that. Like literally family get mad. Like that's rude. Friends, that's a, that's the fear. And that could be a driving call cause as to why maybe a relationship doesn't work out or something like that. And so even though I'm a completely honest and people say that they, Oh, it's not a big deal. You need your time. It happens at the weirdest moment. It doesn't just happen where I'm like, Oh, I'm baby. I'm going to go meditate. I'll be back. It's like, we had a great time and I need to like unplug, you know, the fact that we had such a great time, my energy, I need to go unplug, relax, read, gather myself. And then when I come back out, I'm like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> so everybody gone now <laughs> everybody's gone everybody look at me like oh uh, what was you doing <laughs> that's funny it is uh, well but i'm an introvert hey. so like introverts we like well at least myself and i say i toy with saying that i'm actually an ambivert but i'm an introvert in a sense that all out life life of the party but when the energy comes crashing down, because I get my energy from internal, like I, I need, I, you know, I need that energy internal. So I need to, I need a refresher. I need to like, you know, go and rejuvenate. And a lot of people, especially extroverts don't understand that. And a lot of people that I, I love extroverts. Um, and so a lot of my friends are extroverted, a lot of family members as well. So they don't get that because their energy is fed externally. They get their energy off of people, happy people, you know. Um, if they're positive energy. So it's just a matter of like that. And I am attracted to usually people who are, who are a lot more um, extroverted than I am. And so, um, you know, they can't understand that even though they, Oh, it's not a big deal. Cause to them, it's going to be like, Oh, I'm going to announce it. Like, Hey, I'm just going to go read for a second or that I have control mm -hmm. over it. And I don't. So the fact that we had such a wonderful time drained my energy and that's not bad. It's just, you know, give me a moment. I don't know how long it may take though. <laughs> I, I guess in, in that sense, I can understand that fear. It's a fear that somebody's not going to get you though. Right. Is, if I'm hearing it, yeah, it is. not going to understand. Mm -hmm. And Lord knows as philosophical as I want to be, I have no ground to be anybody's counselor. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh. Oh, doctor, tell me, what's I, wrong with me? <laughs> right, right. It, it all started when I was six. Uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, you ever thought of, like, because you, you 
you know, marched to the beat of your own drum. You ever thought about just stepping outside that box and sort of kind of letting go? Not, not of, you know, this dynamic that you have, but saying, you know this about yourself and saying, okay, I'm going to make a conscious decision hmm. to allow somebody into this, into the, this, this space. Oh, see, say, mm-hmm. see, the thing about me I mean, is I will enter in a relationship. Most definitely I will. Like if somebody um, I I loved and, you know, in dating, I'm like the dating thing is, you know, I love dating. But if I was to get into a relationship with someone, we started to develop feelings for each other and love each other. um, I'm they're going to he's going to know he's going to know. I'm going to repeat that. I'm going to say that. And I'm willing to get into that relationship with this person. But I just like nine times out of ten, it's like you know, I started thinking like, is it going to work? So I guess I could do one. I don't know. Cause I was going to say, I guess I could do one or two things. I can just, you know, again, just go into the relationship or in those moments that I feel that way, I don't go in my safe space. I just stay out. But I tried that once and I was literally just like mute and people can tell, like they see the shift of the energy and they go, Oh, you know, now what's so interesting is that like my, my, my sister Nika, she gets it. I mean, sometimes she, it offends her, but she gets it. She knows that it's nothing that she's done or anything like that. Although I'm afraid, I'm not willing to say, oh, no to relationships. I'm willing to actually jump off the cliff uh, li- uh, figuratively and dive in. But there's always going to be like this fear of like, oh, you know, I'm having such a great time and, and at, my energy is going to be drained and um, I'm going to need time to replenish because it happens quite more often than not. And that's, you know, it's just a simple thing. I just know in in my situation, in retrospect, I just really regret not coming out of that zone, not coming mm. out of that, coming out of that box or thinking outside of that box that I created or had been conditioned to be. In. I, I just really, really regret it. And if I had to do all over again, mm-hmm. I would jump. I would have jumped. Mm-hmm. And I just think that things would have went way different. Mm-hmm. Life would be different. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't so, I don't like to regret that have, to people. I, and I thank you for that. I don't like to have any regrets. Um, and typically I think where, where we are in life is where we should be. But we, you know, if, if you find, if I, I'm going to speak for myself, find myself kind of in this perpetual circle of sameness when it comes to relationships, then I have to look at myself and say, okay, why am I in this situation? And so as much as, you know, as much as I love, I love dating. I'm, and it's, and it's funny because I'm not quite a social butterfly at all like um it it's a bit of anxiety to meet people but i think it depends on why i'm meeting a person like if there's with purpose like if i'm going on a date it's different i don't get that social anxiety because i'm no i know i'm on a date i've already talked to this person you know blah 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 but just to actually walk into a social that that's scary because it's like what's the purpose you know what's the what what is my sense of purpose in this room uh, and that's me just overthinking you know uh, so I think that as much as I enjoy getting to know people and enjoy dating, I also have these like kind of requirements for relationships that I feel like are my safe haven 
because when I'm in a relationship, I'm giving a hundred percent, you know? And so, or uh, 95%, that 5% is me wanting to be by myself. So let's just say that. But, um, I, I try not to have any regrets on anything, you know, it either works or it doesn't work. And, um, I think it's a, it's always a learn, like, like what helped me with bad situations, whether it's relationship, a job, friendship, whatever it may be, is was it this a learning opportunity for me? You know, instead of like um, sulking, it's like, was this a learning? What did I learn from this? And there's probably maybe only a few times I can count on maybe two fingers in which I had an, uh, an experience and didn't learn from it, you know? Um, but that's like, that's like a rarity. Like most of the experiences that I've had, I've been able to take something from it and try not to regret or have any regrets or try not to resent a person or a situation, you know, or even myself. Even in the, yeah, even in the regrets I learned, right. like, I think that's, that's sort of kind of, I mean, albeit the, the regret is the byproduct of the learning. Mm-hmm. I, I still learn something. And when she, whoever she is, Radio Land, I'm single and available. Hello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whenever whenever she comes along, I could take those lessons mm-hmm. and not make the same mistakes again. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, but do you think that it just, would prevent the regret, prevents you from giving your full self to someone else? Oh, no. Okay. No. All right. No, I, I don't think that at all, uh, because I can acknowledge my flaws, and I'm not that I'm not that same person mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm. In part because of that situation, I'm not that same person anymore. And of course, you know, many moons have passed, so a lot of other situations have occurred that have caused me to be who I am now. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm open. I'm, I'm open to love, man. Mm. I think it's awesome. Yeah. That's, and I mm-hmm. can't wait. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. That kind of caught me. I was like, oh, I'm going to move to the next question. Wow. You're, 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 wow. I've never heard a man say that. Oh, dog. I'm looking forward to it. And wow. whenever it comes, like like you, I mean, I have standards and expectations, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not just, you know, going to rush into anything. You know, I, I don't particularly like dating, uh, especially as I'm getting older. Uh, dating is crazy now. <laughs> but um, the, the, the thought of being in love with somebody, being in a, a productive relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, I relish that thought. Nice. Sure. Wow, that is that's a little scary for me. Um, the thought of and but you know, I'm I guess I'm okay with either or I've come to to that um like if I'm gonna be a cat lady or a wife, I guess I can find happiness in either <laughs> or <laughs> I can yeah. find happiness. You know what I used to say? You know what I used to say? What's that? And it's funny. Because now I am exactly what I said I didn't want to be at present. Uh, You say, I I do not want to be that dude, that old dude in the club (laughs) buying silk roses. Talking about, hey, baby, what's that? For a young girl. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I 
did not want to be that guy. <laughs> and I'm not that guy because I generally just don't go clubbing. Right. But, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see myself being this guy now. Mm. Back then, I didn't see it. I thought by by this point in time in my life, I would have been married for quite a, a long time. And if you check with my circle of friends, mm-hmm. you would have you would have found that they thought I would have been the first one to get married. Mm. Wow! Uh, turns out they're all like ten, fifteen years in. And I'm still out here buying silk roses for the girls. In the club. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, you know, you I have like crazy. 15 imaginary cats. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm living my best life. But you know, I when I say dating, like I don't, I'm not dating as in a relationship. But I like going on dates and, and meeting different people. Although I've mm-hmm. had, you know, bad experiences with dates. The the worst part is if it's a horrible date and the guy likes you but you don't like the person, the guy. So having to, to know, let him know like, Hey, there is no second date, but you know, I don't even look at it as an age. I don't say I'm getting older. Like I'm 37 and I, you know, and people like, Oh, you're no spring chicken. And it's like, I don't really look at it that way. I don't look at it as I'm getting older or setting any like parameters. But I think for me, it's that yearning for relationship or closeness. And I see as I'm getting older, I do want that partner in crime. You know, I want that person that, you know, we talked, I think we talked a little bit about relationships and I expressed it at the panel about how uh, whoever this person is, like, I want this person to be my right hand and I, and I write with my right Right. hand. So that, that should let you know how important I want this person to be in my life. And so um, I don't have time for games. I don't have time for that mental BS. I don't have time for in and out lives. I don't have time for not expressing truly your feelings, all of that. I want to be able to be 100% comfortable because a part of um, a woman's, I, I mean, I'm not trying to speak for all women, but I think women are truly beautiful when they feel secure, when they feel like they have this safety net to be who they are, that's where you get the being, you know, sexually free with your with your man or if you're a lesbian no, no. with your woman. Like you, you feel like that's where that true essence of a woman comes out of is when a man or her spouse can make her feel 100 no, percent comfortable in her own skin. I, I don't think that notion is gender specific either. Mm. I agree with what you're saying 100%. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that when a man finds someone who can sort of kind of help him, you know, dismiss and debunk all of that conditioning and dogma, uh, uh, what's the phrase they like to use? Toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> man, find a woman who can help him, you know, you know, sort of kind of like put all in the box and put all that in the box and throw it somewhere. Yo, you'll you'll find that dude that's literally gonna take the bullet for his woman. Mm. That, that is literally gonna break his back to make sure that she's good. Mm. I know we talked a little bit about that too. Um, um, gender roles. Gender roles. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, you know, say they don't believe in it. And it's like, well, do you have an expectation that a man should open the door for you? And then they say, well, yeah, sort of. And then you, so you believe in gender roles, like. Period. Like whether it's in a relationship I'm, I'm, or in general. And I have right. this. I've often called it selective 
acceptance of patriarchy. Because that's that's how some women tend to frame it. Yes. I, 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 I... Believe in gender roles too. Yeah, I absolutely even, do, and I don't think there's anything negative. Aggressive as I try to be, yeah, I, I believe in gender roles. Like, I, I think I, there's just certain things men supposed to force ladies. Yeah, like I just don't think there's anything negative about that. Like I don't know where the negativity came from. I guess because I I can say that perhaps um, the feminist movement, like I think that you know. Feminism to me just means the equality of sexes. And so that's at the purest form what it means to me. And so um, while I think that women should be respected in the same manner as a man, I do think within a relationship for me, I can only speak for myself that, you know, they're, they're, they're gender roles and their role. Like if you see a woman pumping gas and a man just sitting in a car, you know, yeah, immediately or cutting cut grass now. However, I know there are some men, you know, will say, well, it doesn't I don't believe in gender roles or women will say that. But for me, there is a sense of well, what's wrong with the man if he's just sitting there like, hello, you know. And, and so for me, I do. I have this traditional way of family, of thinking of family, and it's in a positive way. And I think that, you know, I'm choosing this mate. He's not forcing me or grooming me he is he and I are choosing each other and we both have responsibilities within the relationship and if we both agree to those those you know responsibilities then we have to be held accountable for that um absolutely now you touched on something that I find a bit interesting and you you were talking about the feminist movement and equality Mm mm-hmm and with regards to gender roles, I don't feel that men and women were designed to be equal. Not one better than the other, just not equal. You, Along the lines of gender roles, you're designed to compliment me. I'm designed to compliment you. We fit. We fit. Right. So, and, so, well, what I mean by equal, so for me, equal meaning equal in the sense of same level like we are equal same respect same we we we, we may not have same respect right we may not have the same um physical attributions or capabilities mentally physically emotionally because of uh biology out you know dna and i totally get right. that but when i say equal it means that a woman should be respected as a human being in the same light that a man should be respected. So that's where the equality, it's like, it's like when you talk about equality amongst races, blacks and whites, like it's, it's equal, you know, it's, it is equal in that sense. So that's what I mean by equal. I do think that um, physically um, men, I just believe that, you know biologically that men are definitely different of course than women and that Mm -hmm. that physical difference that that not just physical but mental emotional difference lends itself towards a a specific responsibility and roles in the home as does the woman like when we talk about childbirth and nurturing and um caring for um those kind of things i don't think that those were uh 
programmed. I don't think it's society that programmed a woman to to feel and nurture the way that she does. I absolutely think it's innate. No, I'm with you. You know, so yeah. yeah I, so I'm, when I'm I say you. equal, I definitely am speaking equal in the respect term. We should be respected. And just as a man is respected, I don't believe that one is, as you said, higher than the other when it comes to the hierarchy of life. Like women and men are on the same level. I agree. The same importance, cool. you know, like definitely the I same think, importance. I, I, and in that agreement, I think that's sort of kind of how the conversation gets misconstrued, though. Mm. You know, I'm equal. I'm equal. I could do whatever a man could do. Well, no, that doesn't mean that say you should get paid less though. If you're, you know, getting this job or that job and, and, and a whole bunch of other instances that you shouldn't be on some type of equal footing or level. But when you try to carry this conversation over from one topic to another, you lose a little bit in translation mm-hmm. because in the workplace, Per se, yeah. I believe if you do the job that I'm doing, you should get the money that I'm getting. When we come home, well, I'm your man and you're my lady, and we have different responsibilities. And it's we we can't have the same power struggle that we might have in the boardroom and the bedroom. Mm-hmm. You get me? Oh, I, I agree with that. I, d- I definitely think. And I think that women have a hard time understanding when men say that because most men are really direct in their conversation and what they say. So when you hear words like leading my woman, you know, possessive words, because men, I don't know if you guys, if it was, if it's innate or a taught thing from fathers or just experiences that you collect a lot of possessions. And so when you're trying to court a woman, typically you show your possessions like, Hey, I have this nice car. I'm, I'm had this nice job. I, I make this amount of money. It's usually an external factor that, um, you use to sway a woman. Um, not all men, but most men that I, I'm just going to say most men that I have come in co- encounter with. Um, however, even if it's their intellect, you know, they'll show if they know that you are in, if you, they know that you are attracted by, you know, intellect, they'll show that it's always um, usually an external factor. Whereas women, we're showing you how we can care for you. We sh- we're showing you how we can take care of you. We're showing you how we can be that support system. And so when those lines change, I think when women say, well, you know what? I can be just as showy. I can do just as, I can wash, I can um, take out the trash. I can mow the lawn. I can do all these things. That absolutely has nothing to do with gender. Um, I'm just as physically strong as you. I think that, you know, that's okay if that's, a conversation that she and her man has had or she and her spouse have had. Um, But I also don't think that uh, a woman who is, I could do the same thing as a man can do, should look down on any woman who decides to live in in a quote-unquote more traditional way of life and vice versa. Um, But, you know, I think it's all a matter of preference. I said many a times I could not come home to a... Um, what do they call it? A house husband? Stay at home. Yeah, stay at home oh, dad. Oh, that's a new one. Stay at home dad. Yeah. Uh, I, I cannot. I mean, the thought of when I sit back and I think about it, like, hey, let me think. It's just like, it's repulsive, like to me, because I have been around what I defined as strong men 
who have led the home and they provided, um, they were providers. So they brought home, you know, the foundation and, um, most of them and put a a little, a little asterisk to that. Most of the men that, that I've seen have taken that role and that's my preference. So, um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with having, you know, whatever your preference is. I think that you should be honest and open and, uh, and let your man or your woman or whoever you decide to be with know what you like, because that's the biggest thing is to get with someone who um, is opposite, have opposite, you know, values um, than you. So to each his own. Uh, and I, I, it's definitely to each his own. Uh, I couldn't see myself as a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> um I've, on many occasions, in many relationships, when the topic has come up, I know I've been one to say, listen. Well, did a woman actually ask you it, to, stay, to be a stay-at-home? Oh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. No. I, I don't think that conversation would ever go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but conversely, when the topic has come up, I've always been one to say, well, if you don't want to work, Cool, you gonna take care of the home? Mm-hmm. Cool, mm-hmm. I make that happen. If you want to be a career woman, cool, we'll make that happen too. Uh, I think there's there's always just a balance to be had, and that is per relationship. So you can make it, you can make it work, however it goes. Mm-hmm. But because you're the woman, I'm the man. There's going to be some balance. I, I got some responsibilities. You're going to have some responsibilities. And the, the, those responsibilities aren't necessarily going to be the same. Right. That doesn't make us not equal. That just makes us... On the basketball team, you got a point guard, you got a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. The point guard is tripping the ball, mm-hmm. shooting guard is shooting. It's a team. And you make it work. Right. Same with a relationship. You know, we don't have to be doing the same thing. You don't have to. Me saying that I'm the head of the household doesn't make me better. It doesn't make me on some higher rung. It doesn't even mean that I completely get the last say because I have my lady. Right. And we make these decisions. We we make this this thing go. We make this relationship work because it's our relationship. It's not my relationship. It's mm-hmm. not your relationship. It's our relationship. And we go and we make it work. You got your part to play in it. I got my part to play in it. It's two halves to make a whole. I agree. I don't know why that's I don't know why that's so hard for some people to understand. I think what's hard for people to understand is terms that's all think the term head of the household the term like you know when we talk um not you and i but the panel we when the men were saying or one particular guy was saying you know head of the household head lead guide um those terms bothered some of the women who were anti-gender roles who said do you need someone to lead and for me, absolutely, you need someone to lead. Lead. I think that um, a leader doesn't necessarily, as you said, doesn't necessarily mean that that they're better than. There are some people who have leadership uh, qualities and skill sets that others don't have. And because you're a leader, you need you need supporters. I hate the word followers, but so for me, I don't look at that as a the man is above me. Um, I think that family in general has ha, have 
roles. Every person plays their part and every part is very important. And that puzzle wouldn't be complete without every part. So although Absolutely. there's a lead, doesn't necessarily mean that that person has the end all be all. And so when we talk about gender roles, here's what we irks me about the conversation. Mm -hmm. Here's what irks me about the conversation when it's had with someone who feels, oh no, I could do just what a man do, no gender roles, so forth and so on. And just like we were talking, what you brought up, you want me to be, as a man, you, you don't want the gender roles. We're in this, you could be the lead, I could be the lead, no gender roles, no whatever, whatever. However, same people, same women, when the guys sit back and say, okay, cool, go ahead. You make, a, you, you make this thing work. You, you go ahead. I'm, I'm going to fall back. You're going to make the money. You come home. I'm, I'm not doing... But see, I'm, there, I'm there's some women that will, that some women, see, okay, so there's two parts, because it's what, you know, I'm like, okay, I see it from both perspectives, because I'm a very objective thinker, as as well as I'm very opinionated. So what for you to like unplug, because she says that, is kind of a negative reaction. And so I think that two things, we are probably more hooked on behaviors rather than the actual when we're talking about gender roles and responsibility. And what I mean by that is, you know, I absolutely could see a man cooking. Like if he's a better cook than I, sure, cook. I, you know, I love cooking, though. So I'm, I'm going to take it as a competition. So that's more of a behavior versus a gender role for me. I think, you know, the man actually protecting and providing is when I started to get into the whole gender role. Um, right. And so and I'm, I'm only polarizing it to right. just sort of kind of, you know, hammer home the point. But the point also is, and the second point to that is that some women will say, great, I, I absolutely want to be the lead and you clean, cook and do all the other things while I go out and work and bring home the bacon. So there are some right. women and, that, and that want that. Yeah, and at that point, though, a lot of those women, dare I say a majority of those women, will view their man as weak. Hmm. Even even if they have. actually, not not that they're forced the, into it, but even if they actually say, I want to be the lead. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you think that's yeah. tied into I their think, father's relationship with them? I have no idea where, where it comes from. Hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't, I'm not sure that they... I don't know, because I'm not one, but I do know one, and I'll be sure to ask, because I'm not sure if I think that they would look at him as weak if they if they made the decision, if this is what they believe in their uh, preference, versus if they're forced into it. You go from being the lead, you go from leading in what I prefer, to now you lose your job, you're sulking, you're this and that, and now I'm forced into a role that I didn't want to play then I think that she would have a resentment towards the man but I, however yeah. if I think that this is her preference I'm not sure that I'm just gauging it from this conversation that I've had I can't say so that, that she has a preference for weak, weaker men and mm -hmm. so she... no not that she necessarily has a preference for weaker men or the, the women who are of this or thought process have uh, affinity for weaker men, but 
once, just like we were saying, we started out saying you don't know what it's like until you're actually in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing. Once in it, now that they've gotten their way, how they how they want this situation or relationship to be, mm-hmm. and they see what it really looks like logistically, they start resenting their man. They start they start to view him as weak. Mm. And I only I only draw that you know just from having this conversation with with some women who feel this way because on the on, on the one hand they they want to be progressive and they want this equality as they view it, and then when they start talking about the type of man that they want. It's the polar opposite of what it is they say they want for themselves. Mm. Because you can't have it both ways. I'm not looking at it that that from that standpoint, just gauging from the conversation that I've had with women, it appears that that's how they take it. I'm not saying that that's actually the case. Okay. I'm just saying that's how, through the lens that they view it. Mm. Interesting. Like it, it, um, that, that's That's been my observation from having those conversations. So no. you you see that they want to lead, however, they don't have the same expectation that will match their desires for a relationship. Right, it's all you want to lead until you actually see what that's going to take. Oh, gotcha. Until so, so you're in it, it's easier said than done. So when you ha- actually have to go out and be the provider and be the person that bringing home the bacon and providing for your family, then you you're saying there will be a shift in perspective, like, hey, I, I, I'm not built for this. Right. And, and not, not that you're not built to actually go home, bring home the bacon, but with regards to your relationship, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I sort of do believe in Gina Rose. I sort of do sort of kind of want this man to be what I consider a man, you know, mm-hmm. and, and take on these gender roles. So I think they do, you know, somewhat of a disservice to themselves when they say, oh, I want to be this, but I want my man to be this. And whatever this is, is opposite to or or not conducive to this desire you have to be to be equal. Mm. The two the two don't necessarily match up. Mm -hmm. So I want to shift gears a little bit to politics. I think we we talked about all the taboo things as a, well, not all of them, but some of religion talked about um, race. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get okay. into a little bit of politics. Um, first, what are you, what, what's your feeling about, you know, what has happened to the country right now as it relates to politics in the last couple of years? What's your sentiment on the, the kind of climate we're living in right now? If there's anything that Donald Trump knows how to do well, and clearly there are, only a few things that he know how to do well. Chaos. Uh, but he's polarized the political ideologies. There's generally just no way to be on the fence anymore. Hmm. You gotta you gotta think one way you or you gotta think another way. Hmm. You know um, what's interesting about Donald Trump for me, I find it interesting that so many people are anti Trump particularly in the entertainment arena, when years ago it was such a trend to have Donald Trump's and I stayed at the Trump Towers and your rap songs or, you you know, whatever genre music you were in. Um, It was so cool. It was a cool factor to be hanging out with Donald Trump. All these pictures of Russell Simmons and all these, you know, African-Americans. I'm at the Trump Tower. Yeah. And so what, 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 what's so interesting and baffling to me 
is like as soon as he became president, because when we look, when I look back, I mean, I, I checked out the documentary with his, with, about his grandfather. Um, I checked out because I was just very intrigued by, one, the hate that just just like culminated <laughs> and then to him like when I seen him on The Apprentice um he's operating kind of the same way in general and then when you hear him in, in interviews he's never changed like he's pretty much been consistent in his inconsistencies as it relates to his ideologies his business practices everything since you know he surfaced so what I'm trying to understand is what's different, you know, like even, you know, he, his housing development at, at one point, um, I think it was in, was it in the eighties or nineties? Um, my, late, late seventies, late seventies, early eighties. Okay. He's been, he's been sued on multiple yes, occasions. On multiple occasions as it relates yeah. to race. Okay. I'm trying to understand what happened because this man has been pretty consistent and you were a Trump fan. Like I've never stayed at the Trump, what? but I'm trying to understand what happened. Like, is it purely uh, jumping on the bandwagon or is it like... Or jumping off in this case. Yeah, or jumping off the bandwagon. What I think it is, is prior to Trump running for president and subsequently becoming president, the idea of him was cool. It was cool to say I'm the Trump Tower nigga. Opulence. Okay. Opulence. The same reason that people wear Gucci. The same reason mm-hmm. that people glorify Louis. Understood. It mm-hmm. was opulence. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily Donald Trump himself. It was the thought of it, the, because he he had he had manufactured this larger than life persona, and it was cool. It was cool. I, you know, I'm trying to make money like Trump. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the idea. Mm-hmm. Nobody paid any attention to the fact that he's always consistently been a blooming racist. He was a catch. He was a catchphrase. He was a a slogan, uh, an ideology that if I'm at the Trump Towers, if if I'm on Marcelago or wherever, I'm rubbing elbows with Donald Trump. That means that I'm somebody. That means I done made it. See, I have, a, I have an issue when people make absolute statements about people in general, like sure. referencing him as a racist. I think ultimately he's the type of person that no matter what it takes, he's going to win. And that's not necessarily a good thing. He's pretty clever in his sense of being able to utilize people's weaknesses. And as you said, being able to polarize certain things to get people going and whatever is going to get the person out to vote. He doesn't care who that person is, whether this person is a, a flaming racist or this person is a bigot. He's going, he wants to he's win. And so he's marker. right. He's going to be able to go out. He's going to do whatever it takes to get the vote. F- from my perspective, when I'm looking at it, taking out of politics, taking out of, you know, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. I, like when you have someone that is no longer like, like I said, I've never stayed at the Trump Towers, never desired to be in a picture next to him. But when you had all these people who were desiring Desiring to be next to Trump. Yeah, I, I, but that's the thing. I don't think that it was actually I want to be next to Trump. It was an ideology. It wasn't him so, in so, himself. So him you, becoming you, president forced us to have to deal with deal, who that's ex- he has always been. Absolutely. So that that's the conclusion is that it was more uh-huh. of his the concept of wealth 
and we put on the blinders. This is what I want people to get to. Because when we, when I when I pose these questions, I want people to be to hold themselves accountable so that we make sure that there is never another opportunity to vote in folks or to be misguided and not understand who we are dealing with. Because a lot of times we get blinded by that celebrity. We get blinded by the concept. And this takes me back a couple of shows ago when I talked about disagreeing with Will Smith when he said that the concept of black love or the concept is much bigger than what than truth. And I'm paraphrasing um, his statements mm. because that leads us into having or being in the climate that we're in now when we tr- when we when we believe in concept. And then what it does for people who, who, who are thinkers like myself, we go, well, what happened? But going back and doing my research and saying, like, who is this guy? Because I remember him being kind of saying the same things during, you know, Apprentice, having the same, you know, energy towards women. Um, I remember him going after Rosie O'Donnell, saying some really offensive stuff um, and questionable things. And I'm like, it was overlooked. So what happened? Like, that's what I want to get to. And so I think you, you touch on a great point, and I'm glad that you said it. Is that now he moved out of a out of the category of uh, being a concept being, being a being concept a to being a real person, and this is why, and it takes me mm-hmm. back to why truth is so prevalent, because when you're living in your truth, and sometimes truth is painful, sometimes truth is you know it hurts. We hear that all the time, that cliche, but it's much needed. Because when you start to believe this facade and you and you you start to believe, you know, um, that I'm getting on my soapbox. But when you start to, like, take your insecurities and mask them with different things like wealth and the idea of, of being next to someone based on their possessions or, or their status, you end up where we are right now. And so until you Correct. are able to live in your truth, you know, and um, and deal with truth then we're always going to be in this conundrum. However, I think that it all ties back to our own personal beliefs and our own personal living. And though when we live behind facades and we are not willing to um, live in our truth, we end up in situations where we end up complaining about it later, but not taking any accountability for it. Absolutely. Um, Nowadays, I've never been a Republican. Don't particularly care for the ideology behind Democrat. I'm never, I, I'll say it this way. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent anything. So you're independent at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I would really like to see happen is people, the public get involved in the political system is is the ideological theory it'll never happen i know never say but never i want to uh, well I, I won't but i want to direct democracy i don't want there to be any one group of people that get to decide if we go to war i don't want there to be any one group of people that get to say this is going to be a law this isn't going to be a law especially if it's going to affect the 350 million people that live here mm-hmm. I think people should have a say in that. They should have but the people a vote do it, in that. But technically they do. I mean, that's the, the point of primaries and general elections well, is to go out, vote, well, be informed. Yeah, once, 
Right. Once you once you put someone in place, though. So once you vote for the person, they should whatever person you vote for should have your your interests at heart. Right. Should. Right. Right. And so you stood you hold them accountable. And that's that's election. That's. Yeah. But the only thing is. I feel that government has gotten to a point where they run once elected, you're in a club and you sort of kind of get to make the rules up as you go. That's what it looks like to me. And that is not conducive to having this country be great. Right. And I think it depends Again on you. or otherwise. I think it depends on where you live. Cause I totally feel, um, in my community where I am in the South. Now, when I was up North, there was this sense of disconnect from, um, my representatives. I, I didn't feel like I had, um, connection with, and it was a sense of also fear was a sense of, um, not being empowered. And here I feel empowered, encouraged if I need to call the mayor or whatever. And I think a, a lot of it, a bit of it is a, a responsibility on the on the public, on the people. And if you feel like you don't have Absolutely. a voice, if you don't feel like you have a voice, you don't feel like your vote's going to count, you're not going to, you're going to be stagnant. You're not going to move. You're not going to make any moves to inform yourself. And there are so many people who are um, constantly complaining but do absolutely nothing about it. And so I just encourage people to go out and vote and to Google and to make sure that you come across an uh, unbiased uh, literature and research that and finding out who you're voting for and understanding what I, you're voting for. Because there's a lot of people I that do not- hundred percent. Right, they don't do their dual diligence and they then vote people in or don't vote at all and then they start complaining. They have no idea how taxes work. They have no idea how something that may have greatly affected their community, how it works. And whether politicians it, know that. And they know that. And they play on that. I, I think that's any that's anything that you get into, whether it's politi- politics, whether it's religion, whether it's your job. It, when you encounter someone and you know that they're not well informed, sometimes I'm not sure that's a good or bad thing, but humans tend to take advantage of that situation. Like if you go in to negotiate your pay for your job and your boss, your future boss, or your, the team knows that you're not really equipped to negotiate, you know, they're going to lowball you. And it's not until mm-hmm. you do your research and start, you know, comparing uh, salaries and researching and saying, Hey, wait, hold up. I was lowballed. However, whose responsibility or who should be held accountable? I don't think it should be the job. I think it should be your own personal uh, accountability and that anything that you get into, anything that you're entering, whether it's a relationship, whether you're practicing a religion, um, whether you're going into politics or whatever you're doing, it is very important. Just like you study that purse, that new hairstyle, that beauty supply that has the latest sales you need to take that same energy and apply it to your life your well-being your job your profession your relationship i agree 100 percent. that's the reason i would prefer direct democracy because that forces people to be involved and pay attention and be informed the answer is to 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 try to tell people to at least read and research and become and, and feel self-empowered, feel like you can, you have the power to make change. And that starts with something as simple as researching, reading and looking at it from an unbiased eye. 
And then, uh, you know, once you reach that level um, of discernment, you can now, now start voting and, and, and getting to know um, how the whole system works, the Electoral College. A lot of people don't learn, know how that works. Um, but just understanding the entire system, you know, the understanding how our checks and balances, you know, work. Once you understand and you become informed, then you can start to be a little bit more objective in your in your viewpoint. And so if a person doesn't know who their um, local officials are, I look at them a little sideways, <laughs> you know, I, like, I how can that. you how can you vote on something or, or if you or you don't even understand like how, you know, city and state taxes work. And, you know, that to me is I'm a little bit like, hold up. And you want these people to vote on a policy that's going to affect the nation or affect the, uh, you know, the community as a whole. To me, that well, the, that becomes an issue. The thought process. Well, the thought process is that would force them to do what you suggest they should do anyway. Ideally, we would. Which is get informed. Right. And and you I get where you're coming from. Say that will probably backfire. I don't know. I, so what we have now, it, it, it seems it's truly a republic. If you ask me, uh, many rule by few. Mm-hmm. And and are, are people complicit because they don't know and they don't take the liberty to know or find out? Yeah. But you know, you you got to start with some change somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the suggestion that I give. Mm. We have about uh, a minute left, and I wanted to give you because I usually try to come up with the last statement. But I wanted to give you uh, the platform to make your last thought inside our free thought freestyle. Okay, last thought. I'll make it real simple and sweet. Don't allow someone that doesn't know how to dream to tell you how to do it. Mm. Period. Plain and simple. Period. Plain and simple. I like Period. That. So, um, <laughs> where can people do? You, do you want people to reach out to you? Sure. Willie So So on everything. All Twitter, right. uh, Instagram, Facebook. You could most likely catch me hanging out uh, on Facebook. I, I say a lot of weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> you say a lot of so. thoughts. You say a lot of thought-provoking things, and that's one thing that I yeah, absolutely, I <laughs> absolutely admire about you. But thank you so much, Willie Soso, and that's W I L L I E S O S O. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thank you guys for thank tuning you for in. Me. Well, thank you for joining, and hopefully, we can bring you back very soon. Anytime. All right. So, thank you guys for listening. It's unique right here on the Weekend Updated on Blackberry Soul Radio. I will see you next Saturday.